you said something about our oldest, you know, about how he defines friendship. And one of the things that you can do if your child is complaining to you about having difficulty making friends is not to assume that your definition of what a friend is, is their definition of what a friend is. Mm -hmm. If you can find out what their definition is, that will help point you to the need they're trying to fill. Hey, Ben. How's it going? Pretty well. That's good. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. Yeah. Have you had a productive morning? I have, man. I feel like my brain is fried. I, uh, this week started on the NaNoWriMo novel and I've written like 30, almost 38,000 words in this week just for that novel like there have been others i've been working on too but i I feel kind of fried because of that <laughs> yeah now say again what NaNoWriMo is it's national novel writing month you take the month of november to write a novel okay so the challenge is to write and and how long it, is it's it to, be to be like sixty thousand words okay so today is november 6th yeah and i think i just caught a glimpse of it yesterday on november 5th but you work in a program called Scribner and you mm-hmm. can set word count goals and you can set like an overall goal for the project. You can set daily writing goals. Yeah. And I, uh, I, I happened to glance and I saw the overall writing goal and you had, you know, the 60,000 there. Yeah. And that bar was halfway across. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That can't be right. Why? That, because that would, be, that would be 30,000 words in five days. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm fortunate that I have a lot of time to give to that, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, when, when people ask me how I write so fast, it's because like, I'm, I've gotten really good at tuning out that internal editor, you know, that comes at you and is like, this, this isn't any good because the first draft isn't supposed to be good. It's supposed to just get the story down. It's so hard. You've, uh, You've recently revised my schedule mm-hmm. uh, to help me get more productivity out of my mornings. And one of the things that you set aside for me, and I, I already had a daily writing practice, and I say that loosely. Yeah, it was it was it's definitely something that I've been working on. But you scheduled this thing for me called morning pages. Yeah, and the purpose of the morning pages was just to write and not think about, and it's, it's the very first thing you do. And so you're, you're supposed to write and not think too much about what you're writing. And, and it's supposed to be the first thing that you do because supposedly it takes a little bit of time for your editor to get online, if you will. Yeah. And so you want to get ahead of that. And I still, I still find that when I sit down and I start to, I'm I'm just journaling, like nobody is going to see this. And I'm still editing myself as I'm writing. It's, it's really difficult to shut that out because, because I want to make sure I'm writing in complete sentences and that my thoughts are coherent and connected. And yeah, it's funny because whenever I'm um, just writing and not, you know, like that internal editor is not here, I'll end up using 
the wrong words for things like there, you know, and I'm like a grammar snob, you know, but mm-hmm. when I look back at my rough drafts, I can see all of these mistakes that I made and word choices and stuff, but it, that's not the point. The point is just to get it all down and it's, it, you have to train yourself to write like that, you know? Yeah. So anyway. Well, well I'm going to keep working on it. Yeah. <laughs> So today we're talking about something that's similar to a topic we had a few episodes ago. Uh, we were talking about helping your introverted child establish and maintain healthy relationships. And I wanted to broaden that a little bit with today's episode. We're talking about um, what if my child has trouble making friends? And so where there are some challenges that are specific to introverts when it comes to navigating relationships. That's, that was the word that I use navigating when it comes to navigating relationships. Um, sometimes regardless, it, it, you know, it's not a personality specific problem. Sometimes regardless of your personality, uh, regardless of how outgoing or shy or whatever, because, because friendship is such a compl- complex thing. Um, our children may find themselves in a situation where they're just having trouble making friends. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're definitely experiencing that right now. Our oldest often is a little bit distressed about his experience with the kids at school and whether or not he's making friends. And then, you know, in contrast to that, we have our six-year-old, our second oldest, who is uh, ex- just extremely personable and, and seems like making friends just comes as naturally as breathing for him. Yep. So because this was such a personal thing for us and we'd also heard from some other folks who were struggling through a similar thing, we wanted to to cover this topic today and talk about some of the things that we're doing. Now, there's a book and you're going to have to help me with this. I Yeah. I, I brought it up, but I forgot to bring it over here. There's a book that uh, talks specifically about helping our children make friends. Can you remind me who wrote that? Um, I can't remember exactly who wrote it. It's called The Unwritten Rules of Friendship. I can yeah. look it up real quick so that we can know. Yeah. So the the basic idea of this book, The Unwritten Rules of Friendship, is that friendships really are very complex, the way that we relate to each other. And sometimes we naturally pick up on the right cues and and we learn the skills necessary to initiate those relationships. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes that doesn't come as naturally and, and it, it seems more elusive. And so where there's still the desire and the need for connection, the, the tools and the skills just aren't quite there yet. Um, the book was by Natalie Madorsky Elman. Natalie Madorsky Elman. Yeah. And I think the reason that I picked it up is because the oldest was having a little bit of trouble. I mean, he has a different definition of what friends are in elementary school anyway, because he is an introvert and likes to go deeper with people than, you know, most elementary kids are willing to go. Mm -hmm. Um, And that'll change as they get older and they learn more about what friendship is. But um, I picked it up because, you know, we live also in a world where kids don't know as much about how to engage with each other. Yeah. Beyond something like screens or 
that kind of thing. And so I felt like it was a really valuable resource for us to have because, you know, so these things are things that we learned as kids because we were out playing in the neighborhoods and meeting kids and uh, we just live in a different world. And so it's valuable for us to teach our kids some of these skills. Well, and, and there's something to what you just said also. We say that often, and I think for the most part it's true, you know, given the fact that there's so much more technology now and, and people really can, I mean, kids can entertain themselves and never leave their room, never take their eyes off of a screen. Right. I mean, I've, I've seen that with Jaden. He has a phone that has some games on it. And if we let him, he would just sit and play on that thing for hours. Mm -hmm. And so recapturing some of the, uh, the circumstances around which we had an easier time making friends, I think is a, definitely an important part of this that we'll get to later. Yeah. So go, I'm oh, sorry. I was ahead. just also going to say also that, that we were super weird when we were kids, but it didn't bother us as much as it bothers kids today. <laughs> it seems like maybe it's just because we were the weird ones. <laughs> yeah. Or I know I was the weird one. <laughs> so I, I definitely was too. <laughs> And we're going to, and that's another thing that we'll talk about. Okay. Um, friendship is very complex. I've, I've said that a few times now, but it's, it's something that seems like happens really naturally, which makes sense because we need that connection. We need friends, we need companions, we need community. And at the same time, there's so many different layers to how friendship works. There are a lot of different definitions that people have for what they would consider friends. And so, mm. so I want to dive into that a little bit. And you said something ab about our oldest, you know, about how he defines friendship. And one of the things that you can do if your child is complaining to you about having difficulty making friends is not to assume that your definition of what a friend is, is their definition of what a friend is. Mm -hmm. If you can find out what their definition is, that will help point you to the need they're trying to fill. So, for example, it it makes sense for us that Jaden would desire deeper relationships and that he would consider those people friends. But when we've asked him, sometimes it, it's something as simple as, well, I asked them if they wanted to be in my Power Buddies club, and they said no. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's not necessarily the you know, our running definition of what is a friend. Sometimes you have friends who are your friends for a lot of different reasons, but they don't agree with you on a specific point or they don't want to be in a club with you because they don't share that interest, you know? And right. so again, it's, it's a very complex thing, but if you can, if you can ask your child and probe a little bit and find out how they're defining friendship and where the, the people that they're spending time with are coming short based on their definition, you can learn a little bit more about their needs. Sharla in the chat asks, anyone else have, you've got a friend in me in your head? It's <laughs> a good song. Yeah. So, uh, so that's, that's kind of the first step. And, and so for, for Jaden, you know, when he said, oh, they, they didn't want to be in my power buddies club. We can take that and, and, and so from that we learn, oh, you know, he really, he really wants people to identify with his thing. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and, and that's good. And that can be a mark of friendship, but sometimes in order for people to, to take that step and, and feel that level of connection with you, that they will be a part of something that you care a lot about, you've got to take the first step. And so one of the things that we can encourage our children to do is to take the first step to introduce themselves, to play the, the other child's game to do the, to be interested in the thing that they're doing. And so that's something that we've, we've coached Jaden on is, mm-hmm. is to say, you know what, you, you want them to be interested in what you're doing and you want them to play your game, but are you, are you willing to play their game? Are you willing to, to do the same for them basically? And I could tell when we asked him that his, the wheels in his head were kind of turning a little bit. Yeah, and I think that the next day was when he came home and he told us that he played soccer with everybody, which is like weird because he's not really a sportsy kind of guy, you know. Yeah, I mean, today he took a t- he took yeah. a soccer ball with him to school. Yeah, because they lost the other one. Right, and he wanted to help out his friends. Yeah, so you want to be careful not to set a precedent of you. You have to always you know, just do what other people want and don't worry about what you want. But being, being the person who's willing to take that first step and show genuine interest in what other people are about, that interest usually most of the time comes back to you. It's an investment that you make and that investment comes back to you because people, people like to feel like they're known mm-hmm. and the, the things that they're interested in other people are also interested in. It makes them feel more secure. And then out of that security, they're willing to take the risk of being interested in your thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is funny. I actually didn't make this connection until just now when I saw it in the chat, but it is the rule of reciprocity. Yeah. If you're the, if you're the one who gives first, that there's that social rule of now, because you've given me something, I feel the desire to reciprocate that gift. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sharla. <laughs> so another thing that we can do that's really practical is focus on the basics. And, and sometimes we overlook this because maybe it comes naturally to us, but it's something as simple as, for example, we sometimes when we walk the boys to school, we're walking through the hall with them and um, somebody will wave and say hi to our oldest. And, at worst, he'll he'll just not acknowledge them at all and keep looking at his book or whatever he's doing. Yeah, because he's you know he's so much in his head. You know, it, there there are some people who, because of who they are and their personality and and the way they engage with people, they're always looking outside of themselves for those connection points. And I would say that's our six year old. Yeah, he's very much like. What's going on in the world? But but even he has had to be coached in responding when people say hello. I don't think kids know how to do that without being coached in it most yeah, of the time. Well, and I would say unless they've been exposed to that a lot. Right, right. And they've taken that on as behavior. So, so the coaching and the practice part might feel a little bit awkward because it's like, well, this this seems like it's basic human stuff. But really unless unless it's something they're exposed to a lot, they may not 
they, they may just not have that skill and understand the importance of doing that. But but I would say even because I always respond to people when I'm walking them to school, I always respond to everybody who comes by. And still, like when teachers would say hello and things, I would have to kind of nudge them to say, you know, when somebody says hello, the polite thing to do is say hello back. So I don't know. I don't know if it uh, if they even notice that kind of thing without you specifically calling it out. Yeah, it. That's true. I mean, so, I don't think all kids do. So what what is true is our our children, and we talk about this on a number of topics. The example that we set for our children is really powerful because they're naturally inclined to look to us mm-hmm. for how to act in the world in order to ensure that they maintain connections and they can survive and they can operate and that but but that doesn't mean that they always catch everything that we do and certainly the circumstances around that play a role yeah for for jaden who is someone who is introverted when he's in an environment where there are more people more there's more uh, stimulus it totally makes sense that he would tend to focus inward in order to keep some of that extra right he's filtering stuff at bay right mm-hmm. and and he wouldn't be as aware of what's going on even even what you're doing and so setting aside time that's purposeful so not just when you're you know you're out in public you're and and you're demonstrating these things but setting aside purposeful time where they you can have their attention they aren't having to shut out all of this other stimulus but they can really focus on what you're doing and practice through things like making eye contact and speaking up and speaking clearly, mm-hmm. saying hi, saying the person's name. And again, it, it seems a little bit funny because these seem like such basic things, but it's amazing how that interaction, that quick hi, who, whatever your name is, it's good to see you. I'm so, mm-hmm. I'm so bad with names. Yeah. Yeah, you're typically like, hey. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> hey, it's good to see you again. Yeah. I, I go straight to the like follow-up. Mm-hmm. Um, but those those really basic things are a doorway into deeper conversations. And so helping our children get those basics down, almost making them second nature for them so they do them automatically. Mm-hmm will help them out a great deal when it comes to establishing those contact points. Yeah. And I think there was one time where you guys uh, stood in the kitchen, maybe after dinner one time and you practiced handshakes with all of them. And I thought that was really cool because yeah. you were teaching them how to shake a hand. And, you know, we take those kinds of things for granted when we're parents because we know how to do them. Everybody knows how to do them, you know, but really, I mean, kids come into the world knowing nothing. Absolutely nothing. Well, and I can I can attest to the fact that not everybody has learned how to handshake properly. Yeah, it's true. I I get the I get the weak handshakes all the time. The handshakes that I don't understand are the ones where they shake the hand and they point the finger at the same time. <laughs> you know what I find myself doing with handshakes? This is totally off topic, but um, I always pull away and I always seem to shake hands with people who like want to shake your hand for a while. 
And so, you know, I, I go in with a strong handshake and then I start pulling away. So it feels like a limp handshake toward the end mm. because I'm like, I'm done holding your hand. Thank you. That's right. <laughs> this physical contact is over. <laughs> it's terrible. Garrett, Garrett tells me that when they stick their, their finger out and they shake your hand, they're, they're checking, checking your, your pulse. pulse. They want to make sure that you're not a zombie. Okay. All right. That's pretty smart then. <laughs> That's good. Let's Thanks for that clarification, Garrett. So this, uh, this next point I'm going to cover is, um, I, I titled it, People Are Like Onions. And I was thinking about the movie Shrek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, Nobody likes onions. Right. How, how about parfait? <laughs> yeah. So whatever, whatever metaphor you want to use, this is, this is something, I don't know that, that our boys necessarily struggle with this, but I've, I've definitely seen this be something that's difficult. Sometimes it's not the lack of making contact that's difficult, but it's maybe that when they make contact, they, they have a tendency to overwhelm the other person, overwhelm the other person with information about who they are and what they're interested in Mm -hmm. and what they like and, and are, are overzealous. Now, it's great for our children to embrace who they are and to be enthusiastic about the things that they like, you know, to, to be able to express passion. But one of the things that we learn as we grow is to curate ourselves. And so in, in certain situations, and, and some people argue because they just, they don't like, like they, they say, oh, you should just be yourself in all situations. Well, but that doesn't mean that the person you just met, you tell your whole childhood story to. Right. So as adults, you think about it. Here on the show, I I speak differently. I present myself differently than I do when you and I are having a conversation over tea. When I'm with guy friends playing poker, I present a different version of myself than I do when we're at church. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's... None of those versions of me are inauthentic. They're just not the whole thing because there's there's really no use. It, it would be overwhelming, in fact, in each of those unique situations for me to just present my whole self. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, we find ways to we we learn to do that in really subtle ways. But sometimes our our kids don't have that skill. They don't recognize the importance of curating. And so, so the, the people are like onions metaphor. The reason I like that is because when you first meet somebody, you're kind of just testing the waters. You know, you, mm-hmm. you don't know whether or not this person will be interesting. And the amount of energy and effort it takes to understand somebody deeply is too much of an investment against the risk of not having a relationship with that person. Mm -hmm. It's like if I spend all of this energy and effort getting to know you and it turns out that our values are very different, then I've just wasted all of that time and energy. And of course people don't, they don't consciously think in those terms, but that's what, that's how we're kind of designed to interact with each other. Mm -hmm. So with this metaphor, maybe, maybe a flower is another good one. You could be, you could be like a flower. So you haven't, you haven't really opened up yet. You're just kind of 
a really simple version of yourself. And, and as, as you introduce yourself, as you get a little bit deeper and deeper into the conversation, you can start to peel back those layers. Mm -hmm. You can tell them, you know, and, and this is thinking about things in that way. So maybe, maybe you tell your kid, okay, when you, when you sit down with somebody that you've met for the first time, just in your head, tell yourself, I'm an onion and it's okay for me not to show them all my layers at once. Yeah. I don't know if it's because, you know, I was a journalist for so long, but I actually like to hear other people's stories more than I like to share my own. And part of it too, is I'm just going to get this disclaimer out here, but, um, I, I don't often go very deep with many people, you know, because I guess because of how introverted I am. Um, and so for me, it takes a while to even build that friendship. Yeah. And, and sometimes I feel like I'm not that the greatest example for our kids. I feel like you're probably a better example because you, you're kind of, you know, like you're the guy everybody loves and the life of the party and that kind of thing. Um, well, so, but, but you also keep in touch with friends. You, um, you nurture those relationships, you know, and it's not my tendency to do things like that. So this is, this actually plays right into my next point, which oh, okay. is you have to help your child embrace who they are. So the fact that you take a longer time to establish those relationships mm -hmm. and to, and, and establish those connections, that's not a negative thing. You know, the, everybody, it's like I, it's like I said, friendship is very complex. Everybody approaches it differently. And, and so when we're curating ourselves, we don't, we, we don't do that to suppress who we are. Mm -hmm. And when we're making friendships, the style with which we approach establishing those relationships has to be true to who we are. Some people make fast friends. Some people have lots and lots of friends and, and their connections are relatively shallow. Mm -hmm. Some people only have a few friends and those connections are very, very deep. Some people take years to warm up and, and feel like they have that deep connection that they're looking for. Some people feel that in minutes, you know, so there's, there's no right formula. And, and, and so we need to encourage our children when you're establishing a relationship, trust yourself and trust the pace at which you're establishing that connection. Mm -hmm. Don't feel like you have to rush it, but if it feels you know, if it feels like you're really making connection with this person, don't feel like you have to be wary and, and, you know, hold that back either. So what that looks like for our kids is embracing the way that they make friends. Is that the point that you're making? Yes. And I kind of, I, I say it for us too. Yeah. This is, we're talking about our kids, but a lot of this is for us. <laughs> So now I'm going to get into the, the way that we demonstrate this as parents. So there, there was the, you know, really practical sitting down and actually walking them through some of the basics, but a way that you can demonstrate this to your child that's not as instructive, but more experiential is being a friend to your child. So all of those things. Oh gosh, you're going to get some flack for that. Why? <laughs> If you're a friend, you don't have authority. Wait, so you you can't be 
a parent and a friend at the same time? So they say. Oh, well then never mind. I'm just kidding. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what they say. I know. We have a practice that we've established. Now we, we have a lot of kids and so we're not doing this as much as we would like to, but we set aside time every day to spend with each of our children. We get 15 minutes a week of just concentrated one-on-one -on -one time that we spend with them. And we call this snuggle time, but it's not like us sitting on a couch snuggling together necessarily. But what we, what we've done with this time is we have purposed to allow our children to say, this is what I want to do with this time. And because again, part of being a friend is making the taking the first step, being interested in what they're interested in. And so one of the ways that we demonstrate that is we have this time set aside where we get to express interest in what they're interested in. We get to be all about what they want to do for that for those 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And as a bonus, and, and I've said this before, the relationship that you have with your child is the cornerstone of your authority. It's not it, being your child's friend does not undermine your authority. Mm -hmm. It strengthens it when they feel connected to you, your voice, your thoughts, your opinions, your ideas, your instruction holds a whole lot more weight. And it's amazing the difference those 15 minutes a week make. Now, certainly we find other times to connect with them in other ways. But this 15 minutes a week is all about them. It's about what they want to do. And it's about us being fully present with them and giving them our attention and focus. Which is hard to get in a household like ours. So it's important. Yeah, it's, it's very important. And 15 minutes a week doesn't seem like much, but it really does make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And part of being a friend, of course, is all of those other things that, that we can do as parents, where we stick up for them, where we listen to them. We greet them with a smile by name. Mm -hmm. and, and so those are some things that we can do to demonstrate what it looks like to be a friend. Another thing that we can do is in, an, in environments where we're not able to be around, like the school environment, we can talk to the adults who are in that environment who are caring for our children and let them know about what our children are trying to do. You know, the, the things that they're trying to grow in when it comes to making friends, make them aware of that and even give them some, you know, here are some practical things that we're doing when, uh, when we're at home with our kids, because most of the time the people who are caring for our kids also want meaningful relationships for our children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, um, was in talks with our oldest teacher because he had kind of an altercation over soccer. He's very much like a rule keeper. And if somebody yeah. fudges on the rules, he gets pretty upset about that. And so there was kind of an altercation on the soccer field. I know somebody else who gets upset about rules. Oh, please hush. Oh, you thought I was talking about you. <laughs> Anyway, um, it wasn't anything bad. It was just like a few words were said and um, the teacher noticed that, you know, our son had been becoming friends with this boy and she sent me a note and just said, you know, if you're 
if he's still interested in being this kid's friend, I would love to help them smooth this out, which I thought was just so great because, you know, we're, we're not able to be there up at school to help him. And we're just hearing secondhand information, which is just one sided. Yeah. Um, and so we're trying to help him work through that here, but it's really cool to know that there's a teacher in his corner who's looking out for these friendships. So I think getting, getting those adults who also have authority in their lives, getting them on the same team is a really valuable thing. Yeah, definitely. Especially when it comes to things like friendship. Cause a lot of times whenever we're giving them instruction about how to communicate with people and those kinds of things, you know, it, it's coming from mom and dad and it's like, right. eh, I don't know if I want to, but, but then when they learn the same thing in, you know, their counselor's office or, their teacher tells them the same thing. It it just has a little bit more weight. So communicating those kinds of things for me has been really helpful because I'm able to let their teachers know, hey, this is what we're working on. And I would love it if you could, you know, just put a few words in their ear about what it means to make friends and, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. So and that's not often a place where we look for support when it comes to, you know, guiding our children through these things. But it stands to reason that where they spend most of their day is is where they need a lot of support. Mm-hmm. So outside of that, we don't necessarily often find ourselves in social situations like our children do at school where we can also be present and walk them through those things. So one of the things that we can do is create those situations. And sometimes it'll look like going to a birthday party. Sometimes it looks like getting involved in a church or another community activity. Sometimes it looks like setting up a play date with some other parents. Oh but gosh, if, I hate play dates. Okay. <laughs> so, but, but creating social situations where not only are we able to see how they interact with other kids, but we can also be present and offer advice where it's and, and guidance where it's needed. Um, that can be really helpful. Now, the flip side of that is sometimes we need to recognize when we need to back off as parents. Mm -hmm. Because if this is something that you really care about for your child, we can have a tendency to be those helicopter parents. Always, always like every five minutes stepping in and saying, hey, you you said this and you could have said this instead. Or, you, you know, sometimes it's good for us to give that guidance. But other times it's beneficial for us to back off and just observe and then maybe save some of our observations for later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. What's wrong with, uh, what's wrong with play dates? Um, I think it's for me, it's just the meeting new people. Like I have to meet new parents and <laughs> it's, it's just, it always feels awkward. Mm. We have, our son has this one friend who, um, you know, I met, I mean, he pulled me aside when I went to pick him up from school and pulled me straight to this kid's mom and was like, I want to set up a play date with, with this kid. And, you know, we introduced ourselves. It was just the most awkward thing ever. And I promptly forgot her name and then haven't been able to ask again. And he's had several play dates over at their house. And this kid has been to our house and, (laughs) and I still don't know her name. She's saved in my text as Adam's mom. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have said his name. Well, it's okay. 
Adam's, I mean, Adam could be anybody. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll do an episode on how to remember your children's friends' parents' names. Yeah. I'm just sure. kidding. <laughs> so I want to, I want to bring it back to this idea that friendship is a really complex thing. And so there are a lot of different pieces there. There's the time factor. There's, you know, the circumstances, whether or not the, the people who your child is around um, actually do kind of match in the right way to become friends. Mm -hmm. Some, some people go through primary school and junior high and high school and, and never quite feel connected to, you know, any, any person. And it's not until they become adults that they find people that they really feel they can connect with. And you know what, before I go into this, I did want to bring this in because I forgot to make this point. We, each of us is very unique and some people would even call, uh, some people would even say weird. You said that you were weird when you were growing up. I'm still weird. Yeah. I embrace my weirdness. And that's really good. I was, I was weird when I was growing up. Um, I was what many would call the unpopular kid <laughs> for a long time. And if I'm being, and there was a reason. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just if, well, if I'm being honest with myself, I shed some of my weirdness when I made a move in high school to, uh, I, I decided to live with my dad and it was kind of an opportunity for me to start over, but but I recognized what that weirdness was costing me. <laughs> and so, so I shed some of that. And, and this has been a really recent thing. I've, I've been thinking back to that and lamenting the fact that I did that mm -hmm. because I'm still, I'm still regaining some of that, that, that weirdness is precious. And we think <laughs> it's, and it's hard, especially in junior high and high school, but even in elementary school, whatever age your child is, it's hard to see beyond that season and to see how the weirdness and the uniqueness or, or whatever it is they think is keeping them from establishing connections is actually more valuable. And that was certainly the case for me. But I found that the more I embrace the uniqueness of who I am, the more I find people who do accept me for who I am, accept mm -hmm. my weirdness. And, and there's nothing, there's nothing like being known for, for all of our weirdness mm -hmm. and being accepted. Mm -hmm. And that, that's a gift ultimately that we want our children to find in their friendships is, is to embrace who they are and to find acceptance because of who they are, not, not because they were able to conceal some part or, or suppress some of their weirdness, but, you know, let them be themselves and find friendship. Yeah. It's funny because I feel like I've become more self-aware of my weirdness as I get older. I didn't think I was weird at all when I was a kid, but now I'm like super aware of it when I'm, you know, meeting people or even people I already know and yeah. I'm talking with them and it's just this, you know, I was telling you the the other day about <laughs> the 
the friend we had from a previous church who walked by and I was just like the weirdest person ever. <laughs> yeah, she she said something to you and then it was what was like a, a full minute later. It was later, like a full you, minute later I yelled something. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. I think you're confusing weirdness for awkwardness. I think it just, I think it goes hand in hand. <laughs> I'm awkward because I'm weird. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people are weird and and they're afraid that that weirdness is going to I would I would probably say that most people are weird. Yeah. But what's also funny about that is most people are afraid that that weirdness is going to keep them from making connections and so they hide it. Mhm. And in many cases discourage it. And they build these groups around interests and they try to keep their weirdness out of that. And that's just not interesting at all. Mm-hmm. The the most interesting and beautiful things come out of groups of people who are very diverse, who allow their weirdness to come into these common interests and really make it blossom into something meaningful and valuable. Yeah. So I, f- I feel like we got a little bit off track with, with that. Yeah, but sorry. <laughs> no, but I, I love it. It's kind of miraculous that, we even are able to relate to one another with all of our differences. It's miraculous when that happens. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is the, there's, there's no formula to it. There's no right set of circumstances. There's no, well, this, this set of personality traits matches perfectly with this set of personality traits. As much as we try to quantify it, there's, there's really some mystery to the friendship thing. And so, if your child is in a season where that doesn't seem to be happening, even if you're doing all of these things that we're talking about, the the best thing that you can do is to continue to believe and hope that there is friendship and there is connection for them. But even if it's not in this particular season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the worst things that we can do is uh, because I – I dealt with this whenever our oldest was having a lot of trouble making friends that one of the worst things that we can do is just feel so panicked about, you know, is, is he ever going to have friends? Is he always going to be alone? Is he going to turn into one of these kids who is made fun of because he doesn't have any friends? And, you know, like that thought process is not helpful at all. Well, and that'll, that will lead us as parents as it does in with many other things, uh, concerning our children that will lead us to doing things out of our own interests and, and not in the best interests of our children. Well, and also out of fear and it's never good to act out of fear. Correct. So, yeah, so that, that is the, the hope and the belief that even if, if not in this season, they will find friendship. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was certainly true for me. I, I went for a long time without feeling like I had friends. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I found myself in a situation where there were people who knew me for who I was and, and understood me and embraced me. Mm-hmm. And so it, it wasn't something that happened when I wanted or expected it to, but it did happen. Yeah. And if we can, if we can have that confidence and that hope and that belief, that can be a really great gift for our children too. I should uh, insert here what my college roommates used to say you had. 
the condition my college roommate said you had. What's that? Was M-A-D-D, which was musical ADD. Okay. Because anytime there was a guitar in the apartment, you would sit in a corner and just play (laughs) without talking to anybody. You try to talk to me and I wouldn't. You wouldn't even respond. I'm going to go ahead and bring in a few (laughs) questions here. It's true. I, I still have that a little bit. Yep. As I've gotten better at playing the guitar, I'm able to focus outwardly more. Megan Jones asked a lot of great questions. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. So I want to bring in a few of them here. Okay. One of them was, as an extrovert, I want to make all sorts of friends. I'm pretty sure at least one of my kids is an introvert. How do I know if my child has enough friends? Hmm. So the the thing that I would say here is it's not the quantity of friends that really makes the difference. The need that friends uh, meets is that need for community and connection to know that, to know that we're loved and understood by people who are willing to support us. And, and it, I mean, it goes a lot deeper than that, but the quality of those relationships how, however few or however many is what's really more important than the quantity. Yeah. And, and so for, for a person who's introverted and really for any person, a single, very deep and meaningful friendship Mm -hmm. with one other person could be enough for them to fulfill that need. And for, for others, it may be that they prefer to have a lot of different friends with a lot of different interests because they like to have all of those uh, diverse connection points. Mm -hmm. And, and that the, and, and the quality of those is different, but it, because uh, it's spread out over a number of people, that's enough for them. Mm -hmm. Would you, would you uh, add anything to that answer? I was just going to say that I don't think the number really matters. Just like you said, Um, I think sometimes we can, I think sometimes we can make it more important than it really is, you know, especially if we are an, an extrovert who has an introverted kid. And I remember as a kid, I mean, I was still introverted as a kid, but I thought it was more about quantity than quality. And that's, that's sort of the message that kids are sent when they get in places like middle school and high school, you know, it's like, who's most popular, who has Mm -hmm. the most friends that kind of thing. But it really does boil down to how strong those friendships are because it's true that I ended high school with like, you know, 70 friends, but I don't keep in touch with any of those, hardly any of those, you know? Yeah. Because they just, they weren't deep friendships. Well, that kind of comes back to the definition of what a friend is too. Yeah. Which, you know, that changes for us over time. Here's another one from Megan. She asks, how do I help my child navigate the I'm not your friend anymore from another child, especially since my boys say this to each other daily? Yeah. How do I encourage my son? They probably don't mean it, but not set up false expectations. Among siblings, so, I mean, I I don't know how different it is, but I feel like we hear something to that effect almost daily coming from one of our kids to the other. Among siblings, because they're around each other so much, they're constantly in each other's space. 
they're sharing a lot of the same things. Those words can hold less weight, I guess. Yeah. Than when they hear it from somebody who's not a part of their family. It's almost like when when somebody says, I'm not your friend anymore. Or, or when, a, I'm sorry, when a sibling says, I'm not your friend anymore, it's easier to dismiss that. It's like, you're just saying that because you're upset. Yeah. That's not to say that that isn't sometimes taken personally either. So uh, the best thing that we can do is whether they hear it from a sibling or from a friend at school, before before we can get into the nuts and bolts of what happened, you know, what led up to that, how to how to solve that, we need to help our children work through the emotions that they're experiencing from that interaction. Yeah. And then once we've once we've helped them work through their emotions, then we can learn a little bit more uh, because their their emotional response to that is why they're coming to us in the first place. Mm-hmm. And because they're in that emotional space, they're not able to think objectively. They're not they're not able to think logically about the situation and and give you the kind of information that you need to help them work through that. And I'm going to bring in one more question from Sharla. She said, kind of the flip side, any suggestions for when they make friends with kids we can tell are likely to cause trouble? There's a girl all of my kids saw frequently for a while, and I could tell she was often an instigator and had a problem telling the truth. But because she was friendly, my kids didn't know how to have their guard up. I didn't want to poison them against her, but I also wanted to caution them. Now, I I love this question, and this is something that I'd love to get into with a full episode. So, so on the one hand, we want to protect our children against relationships with people who could be bad influences. Mm-hmm. That's a very natural thing. Or even toxic people. Right. That's a very natural thing. Um, but we also don't want to guard them so much that when they encounter that in the real world, they're not equipped to, to handle those situations and recognize that on their own. So one of the best things that you can do is allow those interactions as long as you don't see that it is creating issues for your children, but certainly they're going to walk away from those interactions with experiences. And when we talk with our children about their experiences, we get to learn about their impressions. We get to learn about what their perspective is. Yeah. And, and I'm often surprised when I take the time to, to ask, instead of assuming the effect that that relationship is having on my child, when I just, when I, when I take a step back and I say, Hey, so you seem a little bit upset after hanging out with so-and-so tell me a little bit about what happened. And to hear something that seems really astute from my child about what they're experiencing and what they're feeling and where they think it's coming from is very encouraging to me. And it it almost makes me want to allow them to continue to be in that situation as long as they, as long as they're able to recognize that. But sometimes, you know, they come up a little bit shorter, they miss something. And, and then because we're having that conversation with our child, we get to fill in those missing pieces for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's another 
aspect of that, which is our children are going to encounter people from all kinds of circumstances. And often the behavior of another child, the um, unsavory behavior of another child has its roots in something that that child is not causing yeah, necessarily, but they're just, they're perpetuating a hurt or some void, um, some issue at home or, or maybe with another kid who's not even in the picture. And so we, one of our values as a family is to be compassionate and we want to be careful not to force our compassion and, and be compassionate to others through our kids. But we do want to encourage our children to be compassionate people. And part of that is being around people who don't behave properly, sometimes do things that seem toxic and seeking to understand what's really going on instead of judging that person based on their behavior. Yeah. And I get pretty fiery about this because, um, I'm one of those who believes that everybody is doing the best they can with what they have. And the kids who are bullies or the kids who don't make good choices, the reasons why they do those kinds of things are so incredibly nuanced that we, we can't possibly understand them by just looking at the situation. Yeah. Um, there are so many different layers to all of that. And so, you know, when our kid comes home and says, this kid was mean to me on the playground or something, my first thought is, well, maybe something happened at home or um, sometimes people do mean things because they don't know how to act any better or they haven't had a better example or something's going on that, you know, causes them to want to lash out because um, those are the reasons that people do things like that, you know? Well, and there have been times when our own children have thrown fits over stuff and and just been unreasonably upset about something that seemed kind of small and when we've when we've allowed those emotion those expressions to run their course sometimes we find out the truth behind what's really going on mm -hmm. is something happened at school that really made them feel upset oh i always know when something happens i can tell immediately from behavior yeah and, and so you can't you can't always judge what's going on based on the behavior that you, that you see on the surface there's almost always something deeper mm -hmm. going on and you know you do have to as a parent use discretion as to how much of that your child can handle based on their own emotional health and their own experience and intuition mm -hmm. um but yeah. i would but i would say don't make a knee jerk reaction and remove them completely from that situation before you have a conversation with them and, and try to understand how much they see. Yeah. But I would also say it's helpful to empower them with the truth that sometimes enough is enough. And so, you know, we, right. we can't, we can't continuously make allowances for people at the expense of ourselves. So, um, so there is a line with being compassionate and, and trying to figure out what's going on and helping people learn how to behave better and how to make better choices. But there's also a line that we, you know, we have to teach our children to have as well, where they're respecting themselves enough to say, you know what, this person just isn't a good, a good friend to me. Yeah. So. Man, that's tough. That, that, that's going to be a good conversation. 
can we bring that in? Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've just about covered this one. All right. I would, again, strongly recommend that um, Unwritten Rules of Friendship. It was a, um, we've been, it's full of like a lot of games you can teach your kids about how to handle things in different situations and that kind of thing. And it, it takes you through like 10 different types of children. So there's like the kid who wants to, you know, be the rule follower and stuff, which is one that we've used with our oldest. Yeah, that that's one of my favorite things about that book is it it goes through the shy kid and mm-hmm. the kid who's really outgoing and and a little bit overpowering. Yeah. So it it covers a lot of different personality types and yeah, it's super undoubtedly helpful. you'll find your child in one of those examples and uh and it's a great resource. Yep. All right. Oh, I get I have to ask you these things. Oh. I keep forgetting. Rachel, where can people go to find us online? In the boat with Ben.com. That is correct. That's right. People tell me that I say that's right a lot. Yeah. You probably do. I haven't noticed. Yeah. It's because you're usually saying it to me. If you go to in the boat with Ben.com. Oh, whatever. <laughs> if you go to in the boat with Ben.com, subscribe to our newsletter. We've got a lot of really exciting stuff coming up. Um, if you subscribe to our newsletter, we are working on a seven-step guide for helping your child, uh, for boosting your child's self-esteem. Mm-hmm. And we're going to give that to our email subscribers as soon as that's done. So you'll get that free gift. You also get a weekly newsletter from us with the show notes for these episodes and a really cool section that's just a quick overview of the highlights of the episode. That's one of my favorite things that we do is we just pull out the golden nuggets from these shows. So if you don't have time one week to listen to a full episode, you just get to pull that up and and look through that real quick. Hmm. It's really nice. And we're also sharing about other exciting things that are coming up. Um, We're talking about having a column for Rachel. Mm -hmm. This isn't set up yet, but, uh, but I'm really excited about this. It's going to be called Ask Rachel. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a place where people can ask some of the more difficult questions, you know, talk about some of the really hard struggles that they're going through. Yeah. And, and I kind of want to keep it like an anonymous sort of thing so that people can be honest. Yeah. You know? on, honest and candid. So yeah. I, I think that's going to be really good. We've got a lot of other fun stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to find Rachel, she's at racheltolson.com. You can also follow her on Twitter at Rachel Tolson. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Tolson. If you want to help out the show, go to seanwest.com slash conference. Now, the reason I said this is because uh, Sean West Conference is going to be a conference for folks who are part of the Sean West community, and it's going to cover many topics. Um, including some stuff about family life. And it's going to be, it's going to be an amazing experience. Uh, people who are part of the community now, some of us have actually had an opportunity to get together in person to, to meet one another. And as cool as the interactions are that we have online in the chat room and the forums, um, a lot of great conversations happen, but as cool as those are, nothing compares to being able to hang out with folks in person and actually 
be able to, you know, physically give them a hug or a handshake. Um, so be, you know, be practicing your handshake, that kind of thing. So the Sean West conference is that experience on steroids. And there, there are just going to be a lot of cool things. And, and part of what is included in the conference uh, admission is a membership to the community. So you get the experience of being a part of the community before you go to the conference. Tickets are going to be available starting November 16th. And that's going to be the early bird. You can sign up uh, for the conference and get tickets and then immediately get to be involved in the community. And who knows? Well, I, I'm, I'm positive there are going to be opportunities to get together with other community members between now and when the conference happens. We call them meetups. And they've been happening with more and more frequency. Really cool. But go there. And by being a part of the community, you're also helping make this show possible. So seanwest.com slash community. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening today. Mm -hmm. And we'll see you next week. See ya. after show I wanted to bring in a question from Sarah in the chat she said I have an off-topic question but wanted to take advantage of you both being in the chat have you done a podcast or blog post about deciding on public school private school or homeschooling for your children so I think that's definitely one that we could do an episode on I thought we had planned to do one yes I'm sorry that that we plan to do an episode on. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought it would be fun to go ahead since she's here and she's listening live in the chat, uh, to go ahead and talk about that a little bit and not necessarily get into our values or, or thoughts regarding those things. Yeah. But just to talk about what our experience has been. So as best as I can remember it, we, had considered uh, and and were even planning to for a long time. Yeah, I have full cur curriculum from like kindergarten to third grade. Yeah, to do to do homeschooling. Mm -hmm. And and so wh why don't you talk a little bit about that? <laughs> well, I mean, I was I I homeschooled our oldest kindergarten. So I taught him how to read. I still use the, all the curriculum for, uh, I mean, it's just basically a book for teaching the kids phonics and reading. So I've taught all the boys how to read before they go to school. But for him, his birthday was in November and it was really close to the cutoff. And he was clearly ready for kindergarten as yeah. far as academics were concerned, because he's a very, very bright child. But the school has very uh, hard and fast rules about 
how old they have to be when they start kindergarten. So I thought, well, I'm just going to homeschool him for kindergarten. And then when, when we get ready to register him for kindergarten, I'll have him tested to skip a grade. And so I spent the entire year homeschooling him and just, I was also working a full-time job, which made it really crazy. Yeah. Um, but it also made it where I was just a little bit freaked out. Like I needed him to do things at a certain time and he's a very strong willed child. He and I are very, very much alike. And so the entire time it felt like we were just butting heads. And so at the end of that year, I figured, you know what, it's going to be better for our relationship if he gets to go to school and just do things there. So, I mean, that was sort of already the plan. So we um, got him enrolled and all that. And he took the test and um, pretty much aced everything except he was two points off on social studies and they wouldn't let him um, advance to first grade. So he ended up basically repeating kindergarten and being extremely bored and one of those like discipline cases because he was extremely bored all the time. Um, so I think I feel like we've kind of gone back and forth, with, especially with him. Yeah. Because of he's a very outside the box thinker and I know that he would do well with homeschool. But I also know that he is very, very strong willed. He doesn't like doing the things that he doesn't enjoy doing and he would have to do those things when he's homeschooled. And so for me, it's more about the relationship that I could have with him um, because it's easier for a teacher at school to tell him what to do and he'll do it than it is for me at home to tell him what to do as far as school is concerned um, because I felt like I was a little too invested in that. Now, you probably know a little bit more about this than I do, but the schooling requirements for homeschool, those are dictated uh, by the state, correct? The what? No. The schooling requirements. For public school or homeschool? For homeschool. For, yeah. I mean, you have to turn in uh, like reports. So, so, and if, like, if you don't turn in those reports and they're not actually doing the curriculum, you could get in trouble. Well, I know Texas has really lenient uh, expectations. Hmm. Like, basically, if we homeschooled our children, we could get it done in probably three hours as opposed to the seven hours of public school. Because, you know, they're teaching huge groups of children, and so they have to allow a lot of time for explanation, which is why I still kind of go back and forth. And um, I think I think for me, it really just boiled down to uh, I'm just a very – I have very high expectations. And um, I really didn't want that to come – into conflict with the relationship that we have with our children. Uh, because I feel like when they're going to public school, uh, my hands are kind of off of that stuff. Yeah. You know, like they have homework and they have grades and that kind of thing. And every now and then I find myself, um, you know, like when the oldest will bring home a 90 and I know that he can do better than a 90 and I'll find myself thinking that. And that right there is enough to tell me like, I'm probably not a great homeschool mom. Because my expectations are just too high. I mean, I I had them all on myself during my growing up years, you know? Yeah. And so for me, it's not even so much of the value thing. It's just the relationship. And I had to come to terms with that, too, because I really did plan on all of that. I mean, I still have all of the curriculum. It's still waiting in case we decide with any of the others, you know? 
Um, and I'm still considering once they get to junior high because junior high is such a, <laughs> you know, horrible place. But I, I felt for a while I felt guilty about not being able to do that sort of thing. Um, but it really did boil down to, I know who I am and I know what this is going to do to my relationship with them and I have to let it go. I so have, the, the reason we have to do an episode on this is because I have so many thoughts right now <laughs> and we, we can't take up, like we can't turn the after show into another episode. Right. So we're going to save it. All right. And you'll hear more of my thoughts another time. Well, I'm and, curious and now. More of, and more of your thoughts. I'm hooked. Okay. 